Welcome to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast with Dr. Steve Albrecht. I'm the very same Dr. Steve Albrecht, and this podcast is sponsored by Library 2.0 and produced by the founder of Library 2.0, Steve Hargadon. My topic for this half hour is a concept which is in the news recently and has been in the news all year long, which is protests and even riots. And sometimes these come around our libraries through the connection we have to City Hall and county office buildings, and you're in oftentimes in a plaza kind of an orientation where you may share the, the uh, same open area with other government buildings. We have seen plenty of protests around the country uh, that, that may intersect with your library facility. So this conversation is all about protecting your employees and protecting your facility from an overspill or sort of a crossover from the riot area or the protest area, whether it's peaceful or not, over to where the library is. So we have a duty of care for our employees, a duty of care for our uh, patrons to protect them in light of any kind of protect, protest activity going on. So we'll talk about uh, a policy that I've just seen from a, a client of mine in California that looks at some of the guidelines we need to follow when it comes to protecting our facilities and our patrons and our staff from any kind of protests, any kind of riot activity that may come close to the library. This document is called Civil Unrest, Guidance, Resources, and Takeaways. And some of the categories we'll be talking about, property protection and mitigation, current events, uh, assessing current events, conducting a risk assessment of your facility, some things I've talked about on this podcast before, what type of equipment and materials need to be moved away from the building, and especially from the outside of the building. The building itself and emergency systems connected to uh, the building, including PA systems and alarms and things like that. Communications approaches to communicate with staff and with patrons. A post-event perspective, uh, especially this may be helpful for your insurance company or your third-party administrator. Staff safety considerations will be a discussion for me. We'll look at um, some of the ways that we'll keep apprised of these situations through the news media and or social media. Um, evacuation procedures, safe evacuation procedures, making sure that staff doesn't get involved in these situations as they come and go to work at the library. Uh, helping staff manage the stress of the event, which is certainly significant. Looking at some policy considerations going forward as to what you might want to do to uh, include emergency procedures for this type of thing in your policies and procedures for emergencies, evacuation, and critical incident response. So protests and other demonstration activities are certainly on the rise, and while the vast majority of, of these people that do these things are exercising their First Amendment rights peacefully, some protest activities have led to rioting and looting and dangerous encounters with law enforcement, dangerous encounters with the public, and property destruction. Libraries aren't immune to these events and should be aware of how to manage and mitigate their potential exposures to any kind of political unrest, uh, protests, rioting, that type of thing. Uh, this document that I'll be talking about talks about how to protect your facilities, your property in general, your, your inside property, your outside property, uh, the staff and the patrons during any kind of unrest that may come in contact with your library. Protests and riots and things that, that relate to civil uh, disturbances come in contact with your library facility, especially if you are in a downtown location, if you're near uh, a plaza type of an orientation where there are other city buildings, county buildings, federal buildings, state buildings in the same vicinity where you are. All library employees need to pay attention to what's happening on social media and public media 
to find out if these things are happening near your facility. Uh, prior to them, you may get some kind of announcement um, from the people involved or from local law enforcement or some of the emergency preparedness folks. Uh, we need processes, policies, procedures, and certain responsibilities that should be given to um, certain uh, leadership members of the library in advance. And some of the things that we can think about are how we pay attention to what it may be coming to us in terms of protests, some kind of curfew process that may be instituted by the local government or by law enforcement, uh, other changes in hours of operation for your library that you may need to communicate to staff and to the public, and just asking employees to pay attention for signs of unusual activity in or near their library facilities. One of the things I think about with library employees is that sometimes they get so used to coming and going from the same entrance or exit, they don't think about how they would get in or out of the facility if that exit was blocked or they couldn't get out because it was, it was locked down for, for law enforcement reasons or facility security reasons. So it's important to remind all staff to make sure they know how to get out of all exits and entrances and coming into the library or leaving the library all, using all the entrance and exits, including those that they may not typically think about as a way to get out in an emergency. One of the things I've talked about many times on this podcast is being prepared for any emergency situations by doing a risk assessment first, being prepared for any type of emergency, whether it's rare or, or, or may never happen or something that could happen, really starts with information. So a risk assessment, a facility security assessment I've talked about in my library security book and I've talked about on this podcast and I've also talked about in Library 2.0 articles uh, and blogs as well. So this in incorporates doing a thorough inspection of the properties uh, around the library, the parking areas, alleys, streets, um, how people congregate uh, in, a, in a park setting next to the library or where people congregate if they were going to march or protest around the library. A look at the, the threat potential, the impact on your particular property and consider what kind of protests may be happening near you uh, for things that relate to um, national events, uh, local events, and that type of thing. Site security assessments include looking at the camera systems, the interior and exterior lighting systems, looking at, at things that protect the outside of the facility, and that includes things as even as, as simple as moving trash cans or planters that can, be, that can be moved or things that can be thrown at the windows or thrown against the side of the building, taking those things back inside the building and storing them away. Looking at the burglar alarm systems, the fire alarm systems, anything that we have that's mass notification PA systems are very important. Looking at the physical uh, facility security, uh, critical points of entry and exit, uh, other vulnerable areas that may not be covered by cameras or lights. Um, looking at um, certainly gaps in, in some of our security that, that could be covered by the placement of an, one additional camera, for example, or just improving the exterior lights. Looking at any kind of fencing or perimeter barriers that we have around our parking lots, around our buildings, uh, things that we use as, as what are called bollards, which are decorative um, concrete um, pillars and things like that we put in front of the building entrance and in front of the exit so that people can't crash a car into, into the library. That not only pays dividends in the rare possibility of a protest near the library, but certainly prevents uh, what happens sometimes where um, some person um, gets the gas pedal and the brake pedal confused and runs over somebody. We've seen this at, at coffee shops and convenience stores and things like that. Bollards can protect that type of stuff. 
uh, lighting around the building, uh, lighting around your warehouse uh, loading dock areas, lighting, lighting around the parts of the building which may um, not have a lot of traffic around it, uh, either vehicle traffic or, or pedestrian traffic. Uh, paying attention to any, any exterior lighting issues that need to be improved. So when you think about the site, site security or facility security assessment process, I've done a lot of documentation in this area. Take a look at some of the things that I posted on Library 2.0 um, um, blogs and, and some of my work in my library security articles or my library security book for more help in this area. There needs to be a thought process about any kind of protest, national or local protest, things that are coming in close proximity to the library as to whether or not you need to stay open, whether you can close the library temporarily while the protest passed over, whether you, can, you need to close the library uh, for, for a day or several days as these events are ongoing. Sometimes what happens is, is the events um, last a long time. People camp out or stay in, on, on the plaza or around the areas of, of government facilities, and they sort of take over the territory. So you may need to be shut down for several days or, or just several hours, depending. As such, it's important to think about what could be vandalized or stolen from the library by, by protesters that want to break into the library and make sure that things that are valuable, um, cash registers, fiduciary instruments, uh, specific book collections, specific uh, artifact collections, museum pieces, things like that are stored away uh, in the rare possibility that somebody breaks into the library to do damage, they can't get access to these things. You may want to consider, uh, if that's the step that you have to take, posting signs that say there are no valuables inside the library, uh, nothing of value inside the library premises. That's not always a perfect deterrent, but sometimes if people read these and think, well, there's nothing worth stealing in there, they may move on. This also includes protecting as best as you can the server rooms, uh, putting away or storing computers in a more safe place, which are your laptops or your computer lab uh, desktop PCs things that you can store that are electronic devices, tablets, laptops, um, phones, things like that that are connected to the organization should be, should be secured as best as possible so they're not stolen. It may be uh, necessary for library employees to take certain uh, pieces of equipment home with them. <clears throat> if they have library laptops or, or um, equipment that's uh, cell phones, things like that, that are assigned to them as a, being an employee, they may want to take these things home for safekeeping until the uh, issue has passed and it's safe to return to the business. If we look at things that are um, from kind of the exterior perspective, we want to make sure that our door locks work really well. The time to find out that your front door doesn't lock as tightly as it should or it can be forced open or that the wind pressure uh, from the building or the internal or external wind, uh, external from the outside or internal air pressure from the inside uh, makes it difficult to lock these, these doors, especially in an emergency, you want to make sure that doesn't happen, that we've got the ability through key card systems or hard key systems to lock down the facility, especially from the inside. Um, if we look at uh, keeping people out of the library that are protesters, uh, the best we can do is is to um, lock the doors. If you have a set of double doors that you may be able to put heavy objects in front of, you know, have staff members move copy machines or or uh, bookshelves or something like that in front of the door to keep it from being pushed open. Really, the last thing we want is for protesters to push inside the library, not only for the theft and damage and destruction possibility, but certainly an issue is is arson fires as well. These types of, of uh, rare occurrences uh, could cause significant damage. It's also time to think about how your burglar alarms work, how your 
perimeter alarms work, how your fire alarm system works, how your emergency light system works inside and outside the building. You may also ask the local PD or sheriff to provide light duty officers or hire off duty officers to protect the library's building itself, either from the exterior or by, by uh, being inside on a post inside the library so that they can, they can make sure no one comes inside and damages the facility. When we look at, at uh, private security, maybe hired as well to protect the library facility by either posting on the outside of it or posting on the inside of the library to make sure nothing is damaged or vandalized on the inside. It's possible that your library may be under construction. There may be exterior work being done with scaffolding and construction equipment and materials and tools and paints and things like that being left outside. Make sure the contractor, the construction contractor, removes all those things so we don't have anything outside the library that can be thrown at the library or set on fire. Communications during these events can be stressful. What we find out is that cell phone towers and cell phone networks can get easily overwhelmed. You could be standing 20 feet away from somebody in a mass disturbance or mass demonstration and try calling them and not be able to get through. So we have to think about ways to communicate with senior staff or leadership team. Maybe that's a, a radio walkie-talkies that, that they're issued or that the security company can give to them. Uh, maybe it's a way to say we're going to use landline phones if our, our, our network phone systems aren't able to be used. Think about PA announcements inside the building. Think about um, mass notification systems for employee notification inside the building, which could be your intranet. It could be a, an instant messaging system that responds to the employees on either their cell phones or their desktops at the same time. We look at, at uh, the stakeholders involved in, in preventing problems and preventing violence, preventing injuries, preventing property damage. It could start at the federal level with the uh, FEMA, with the FBI. Uh, it could go down to the state level, state troopers, uh, state police, down to the local law enforcement level, PD and sheriff. Uh, we also have some other stakeholders, including the fire department and paramedics. There may be people at your emergency operations management, or EOM, or emergency operations um, uh, systems inside your county that, that run a command post that may be in contact with you before or during and even after a national protest or, or a, a significant riot event in front of your library. If there is a, a public disturbance, if there is a riot, if there is some kind of national or local uh, situation which causes people to uh, cause property damage in, in and around your library or to your library itself, one of the things that you want to focus on is helping your insurance company uh, process the claims. And the best way to do that is to take video or take photographs of the damage. So begin assessing and recording property damage as soon as it's safe to do so. Videos are, are certainly helpful, photographs uh, for sure. Your third-party administrator or TPA wants to look at it on behalf of your insurance company. You may have some workers' comp issues related to any employees who may be injured in any of these types of situations. You want to make sure that the property can be protected if it has been damaged, where you get facilities or your maintenance teams to come to the facility when it's safe to do so to board up windows. Um, you want to make sure that the fire department may need to come in and do a structural in inspection for anything that caused uh, damage through electrical damage or, or, or um, gas leaks. Uh, chemical leaks, anything like that that may make the building unsafe to enter. If somebody or a group of people have come inside and, and uh, thrown some things around, chemicals, you know, broken electrical boxes, things like that. So 
uh, as soon as possible and as soon as it's safe to do so, not only document what, what has been damaged, but get qualified and licensed contractors in for the restoration and repair, and then, and then save all the work orders and receipts that are connected to that for your insurance company reimbursement. Let's talk about staff safety considerations. A couple of things here. One is that everything we do to protect the staff and subsequently the patrons should be part of two documents that are living and breathing documents in your library. One is the business continuity plan. That's kind of a secondary uh, piece, which is how do we run the library in, a, in an emergency event if necessary. And the other is our emergency action plan. Emergency action plan may be connected to staff assignments, evacuations, uh, changing staff hours, changing staff duties, changing uh, staff uh, work locations in the short term so that they can function safely in a, a safer library environment if we have to shut one down. Certainly the business continuity plan is going to look at those rare possibilities where we have to shut down the library system-wide or, or not just branches but the entire library system. And we want to make sure that the library leaders are able to meet at an off-site location to talk about running the library, whether that's through Zoom or whether that's an actual meeting, uh, whether they have the ability to um, get staff to library locations that may involve using city buses or vans or, or carpool situations if we have difficulty uh, for employees to find safe places to park or safe places to store or house their cars during the, the span of time they need to be at work. One of the things that the pandemic has done in this thought process is made it much easier for employees to work from home or work from remote sites, work from other city or county locations with access to Zoom or, or uh, you know, typical Adobe um, GoToMeeting, GoToWebinar type software that they can work at a distance and still be able to, to function on behalf of the library's business. We've seen the same thing with elected and appointed officials where they can work remotely and still get access to their staff who is working safely at home and be able to take care of city or county business. We want to make sure that employees know that, that only if they're absolutely essential for them to come into the library facility that they do so. Uh, if we look at traffic, if we look at construction or destruction, we look at road closures, irregular traffic patterns, things have been set up by law enforcement or the protesters themselves. It could be very difficult for folks to get to their library facility to be able to work, so we need to be flexible about that. We may want to schedule meetings um, and, and work group meetings and things at, at hour, hours not connected to the actual formal protests. If we know the protest is going to go from 2 to 4 in the afternoon, that we get things wrapped up by about you know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock before, and we may need to send employees home before they get caught up in what's going on outside. Uh, we can look at, at uh, telecommuting, at work from home, alternative schedules, especially these things working around a, a, a protest event so that employees are not caught up in getting to parking and getting to inside the library or outside the library to leave to go home. They're not caught up in any kind of situation where they could be put at risk of being harmed as they try to come into or leave work. Most staff members are good information processors. They'll be paying attention to their social media. They'll be paying attention on their phones and their home PCs to information that's coming from the local or even national news networks about what's happening regarding protest sites and blocked roadways and law enforcement activity and places they may want to avoid. Um, it could be possible that staff may have to spend an extended period of time uh, locked down inside the library if they're trapped inside there and they can't leave the facility because of things that are happening outside. This would be very critical for employees to have a go bag. A go bag will have toiletries, a change of clothing, medications, some cash, 
uh, maybe a little bit of water and uh, snack bars, things like that, plus um, anything they need to be able to function, uh, extra cell phone chargers, things like that, for maybe a day or so before they can, they can get home. When you think about the, the process of getting employees to and from, we may need to drop them at the front door using vans. We may need to take them to the back entrance or exits using, using a carpool system or a, a bus or a van delivery system. Whether we have a paratransit vans or other things we may be able to get from the city or the county. Uh, we like staff to travel in groups, uh, staff to travel together uh, so that they can keep an eye on each other as they go forward. Uh, one issue is that maybe staff does not want to be connected or identified with being a county or city or a library employee for whatever reasons. We may have uh, staff not wear uh, obvious library ID cards or library shirts or uniforms that connect them to the library. Uh, they keep those covered up until they get inside the facility. We may want to use uh, police community service officers or sheriff's service officers, non-sworn people, or private security guards that have been hired to uh, work the doors to make sure only employees are coming in to the library until it's time to open when it's safe to do so or until the protest period has passed and it's safe for employees to come and go without being screened. One of the concerns for staff certainly leaving the facility and going to their cars, going to their bus or train rides home, the transportation they need as part of their commute, either coming to work or leaving the library facility is to not get caught up in the big crowd itself. If staff's caught up in a protest or some kind of riot, they need to keep to the edge of the crowd as safe as possible. Try not to be uh, too close to the people that are primary protesters or agitators. Those could, be, those could be the ones that are targeted by police or targeted for tear gas or targeted for a physical arrest, which could be dangerous to the person standing near them. When we look at the, the crowd mentality, there's um, a couple possibilities. One is that employees can find a, a, an alley or a doorway or a, a place to go inside of a store or another facility, um, maybe a government facility that's also protected until the, the crowd moves away, that not to run away from the demonstration site as this may draw attention from law enforcement or draw attention from other people that are anti-protesters or the ones that are actually protesting. Um, staying away from um, shops with glass um, staying away from shops with glass fronts and glass doors, um, trying to stay on your feet and moving with the flow of people. If they get um, caught up in the crush of the crowd, that they put their arms uh, uh, pushing away to keep kind of a space so they allow enough breathing room. They don't get they don't get crushed. They can't breathe. If they're pushed to the ground, that they try to roll into a tight ball, cover their head and hands, and until the crowd has passed, try to get to the edge of that of that crowd movement. And, and stay to the edges as best as possible. The crowd should sweep past in a pretty short period of time. If there's any um, um, gunshots that come, and they could come from, from protesters or law enforcement, or tear gas that's come from protesters or law enforcement, uh, people need to get to the ground as best as they can, cover themselves, cover their head and neck, and make sure that they're not uh, being trampled upon by people. Get, get as uh, safe as possible to the edges until the, the crowd has dispersed. Depending on the nature of the protest, the subject of the protest, there may be substantial energy or emotion from library staff members that either agree or disagree with the people that are protesting, and they may have the urge or desire to go out there and confront these people. Now, that can be a dangerous possibility. There are a lot of these folks that, that do this protesting uh, around the country and are pretty skilled at fighting and pretty skilled at, at property damage. Uh, they could overwhelm the library staffers trying to argue uh, policies and points with somebody who doesn't want to do that. So we want to remind staff 
They may have strong feelings either way about the particular issue, pro or con, but not to go out and engage with, with protesters uh, for their own safety. Their main function is to protect themselves first, protect the library facility second, protect their coworkers and colleagues third, protect the patrons, any patrons who are in there a fourth. So when we look at that, that collection, it's really saying take care of yourself, employee, so that you can take care of the library, and, and as such, we can take care of our patrons if they're inside the building. We look at, at these subjects as being stressors in the workplace. Remember that we've got an employee assistance program for many library systems that's connected to your city or county as an employee benefit. The EAP or employee assistance program provider may be able to provide some stress management either on the scene that, that sometimes EAP clinicians can come out and talk to entire groups of employees about what they're experiencing. Certainly they'll be able to help after these events have passed where employees may feel some PTSD, they may feel some anxiety and stress substantial about their own safety, may feel that their, their life was in danger during some of these events. It could be very useful to have uh, employee assistance program or uh, qualified licensed clinicians that can come in and, and support the stress management and post-traumatic stress response by the organization. When we look at these situations, uh, it's easy for people to take sides and managers and supervisors need to pay attention to the idea that people have the right to free speech, but we also want folks to pay attention to operating the business, running the library in a safe way, and, and saving their political and, and you know, uh, national arguments for a time that's, that's uh, not when the actual event is happening and, and uh, tempers are flaring and people are quite emotionally aroused and stressed out. I talked a little bit about the value of the employee or the emergency action plan. I'm getting my EAPs confused. Employee action plan is in a kind of a, an emergency plan for evacuation, for critical incidents like fires, uh, floods, broken water pipe, gas leak, tornado, hurricane, something like that, and also an event that's connected to a national disaster or a, a protest or a, a local or national subject where there's protesters and riders mixed in. When we look at the emergency action plan, the function there is to protect the employees, protect the facility, and protect the, the patrons. If we look at another plan, which I talked about, which is the BCP or the business continuity plan, the function there is to run the business in such a way that we're not closed down for a substantial amount of time, that we have access to the things that we can operate the business. That includes electrical power, access to the internet, uh, the facility is safe to, to operate. There's lots of thoughts that go into the BCP or the business continuity plan. If your library doesn't have a BCP or a business continuity plan, there are lots of ones that you can get the shells or the templates for them online. Certainly take a look at, at those things as a way to say, how are we paying attention to life safety, which is emergency lighting evacuation plans, procedures, um, how do we protect our facility, our security support tools, alarm systems, cameras, uh, mass notification systems, PA systems, things like that, backup power sources, all the things that we have to make sure that we can run our business even using a skeleton crew or even using modified hours or modified services for a short period of time or even a longer period of time as necessary. One part of the emergency action plan and the business continuity plan is the supplies you may need to provide to patrons or certainly the staff uh, in, in any kind of situation where they have to lock down for a little bit. That includes toiletry kits, that includes water, that includes snacks, that includes blankets, uh, there may be enough flashlights for people if there are power issues. Uh, what things can we keep stored in, in uh, large 55-gallon you know, trash cans and things like that that may be in our, our warehouse or our, 
our um, storage facilities that may never be used, but but we check on them once a year to make sure that they're they're available in the event of a of a mass situation or a national catastrophe or some kind of protest that that locks people down inside the library for some span of time. When we look at this subject of protests, national protests and rioting and things like that, the chances of it coming to a, a, a suburban library or a rural library are pretty remote. The chances of it coming to a, a downtown library branch or a city a library branch that's in a, a plaza or, or an open area connected to other city or county government buildings is quite possible. Uh, folks don't care what kind of building it is. If they, they want to burn it down or destroy it, it doesn't matter whether it's the library or the park and rec building or the police station or city hall. So it's important and critical, I believe, to look at these situations as rare, but also connected to the national sort of zeitgeist, the things that we're seeing now as we come out of the COVID situation, as we look at um, some of the social justice concerns that are happening around the country, it could be possible that these things are happening around your library. Planning, written plans, written procedures, things that we practiced, looking at assessments of our facility, security for our facility and evacuation procedures, things like that. Also looking to see if we have the supplies, blankets, first aid kit, water, things like that that are, that are in uh, substantial supply so that we can protect our employees and our patrons if they have to shelter in place as necessary. So these things are rare. Uh, but they're certainly happening in our, our society as we look across the last year or so in our, our national landscape. We want to make sure that these things don't catch library leaders by surprise. My experience with certain situations involving national or local uh, significant incidents is everybody sort of has to take care of themselves. So the Parks and Rec people and the Public Works people and the Finance Department all have their own plans and procedures to take care of themselves. The library needs to take care of themselves as well, starting with their employees moving to the facility itself and being able to protect patrons. So when you look at these things, this is not something that I expect you to obsess over. I obsess over it, but you need to be ready with the potential in place for plans, procedures, supplies, all, all might be necessary or never could be necessary. Either way, we want to be prepared. So that's my topic for this half hour, national protests, potential for rioting, and what we need to do as a library system to keep ourselves safe. My thanks to the producer of the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast, Steve Hargadon. And for more information, visit the Library 2.0 website at library20.com. Until next time, I'm Dr. Steve Albrecht. Thanks for listening to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast.